Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is David Moore. He is an innovative design executive with Zero Nine Design and Development. He provides transformational cross-disciplinary design leadership, cultivating talent and built teams that have excelled in delivering value and creating opportunities. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so excited to have you on today because... It is a deeper topic that we're going to discuss, and we have chatted a little bit behind the scenes, and there's so much depth to the topic today, and I think that sometimes it's overlooked. Mm -hmm. So can you share a little bit first with us your journey and why you uh, started to coach in the creative area that you do? After 20 years of product development, product design, running teams, selling, developing some products that built companies, getting acquired, selling some companies, some that I had a primary interest in, some I had a partnership interest in. I see over and over again, this sort of struggle for innovation and new product development. And business and technology focuses so much on knowledge And most innovative work comes from understanding. And that's a deeper part of the human psyche. And the best example that everyone is aware of is whenever you experience something beautiful or some piece of artwork or creativity, whether it's music or sculpture or painting or just a sunset, a deeper part of ourselves comes up. It's why we describe it as took my breath away because you really don't have the words for it because the emotions are taking over. So this is the understanding level where in my experience, the most creative work comes from. I love that. So you talk a little bit about the creative innovation is not something that your brain will help you with. How do you encourage and nurture creativity within yourself and your teams related to that concept? What I share with the teams, and this is, Sounds a little bit shocking, but actually most people have reflected back to me that this is a relief, is um, when you're in a leadership position, you're able to set the tone. So when you say to a bunch of people, and, and creativity course isn't just designers, right? Marketing like yourself, engineering, these are all building new things to put them out into the world. So that creative process involves everybody at a company. But In a leadership position, when I say in a a very serious voice that I am not a big fan of the brain because your brain is not going to help you come up with something new, right? Brains are problem-solving tools. So they're very helpful for solving problems. What does a problem-solving brain do? It looks for problems. So if you're in the creative process looking for ideas, When you first come up with an idea, your brain will say, fantastic, that sounds wonderful. The minute you begin on it, the brain starts to get very critical and say, how are you going to do that? You've never done that kind of work before, right? We all hear this voice in our head. One of the things that I share with teams and I've shared with many students and 
individual coaching, leadership coaching is if you think about the way your brain talks to you, your brain will say, you didn't finish that project you started on. You still got all the, the storage rooms at the company that still aren't organized. Your best friends are calling you three times. You haven't called them back. In, in other words, if you knew somebody that spoke to you the way our brains do, you'd never want to hang out with them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so that revelation allows people to say, okay, my brain is not running the show. I am. What do I want to contribute to this project? Now things start to go deeper down into the creative center. Interesting. So when you're searching for an idea or a solution, you mentioned mm -hmm. um, previously when we've we talked prior to the podcast about how the brain often perceives a wall and mm -hmm. they, you, know, you get to the end of your thought processes and you're like, there's no solution to this. How do you right. overcome that mental barrier? Again, the brain in its brilliance and its ability to be correct based on current data will often, you'll get these messages that there's no way through. We've hit a wall. We can't figure this out. We've been on this project. Everything has gone along exactly the way that we thought. Now we've, we're stuck on this project and nothing's moving. Nothing's going anywhere. Your, your brain isn't wrong. It just wants to be right. I know that sounds a, a, a little bit confounding, but when you hear those messages, it doesn't mean there isn't a way forward. It just means with the current information, there isn't a way forward. So again, uh, pulling back, sometimes going farther back into previous decisions or previous adjustments that were made in the project. But if you're doing this as a team, you have the shared experience. Mm -hmm. So the minute you're sharing that experience, suddenly that wall isn't so much a solid barrier as it is a wall with different heights to it and that where you can find a way through. And I've never come up against any kind of a wall or any kind of an issue that didn't have a way forward unless it was a deadline or a budget restriction. Other than time and money, creativity-wise, I never come across something it didn't have a way through. It's interesting about the wall that you mentioned, because I think that the I've seen that in my own life and in others around if they failed at something. Mm. And then all of a sudden, because they failed, like you said, and I like that, that sentence you said that there's no way forward with the current information. So if you failed, well, obviously you failed because you don't have all the information. Because if you did have all the information, it would succeed. Yes. And sometimes that all that information, that word all of the information, you, you can't have all of it because you're not all the way there yet. And it's just this great part of the creative process. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, criticizing ideas early on can be so detrimental because it's not just the knowledge, but it's also, as I said before, the understanding that you have, that full distance that you go through, and all the processes and the acquiring of that, both understanding and knowledge. Now, the closer you get, the clearer picture that you have. And that, so again, the brain says there's no way forward based on knowledge, but sometimes the understanding alone will get you through those. 
I've worked with a lot of extremely brilliant PhD scientists, physicists, engineers. These are very brilliant people who are right. That's not going to work. A good question in a situation like that, when your technical team says this isn't going to work, is to ask how much of it will work. And then you find out that the error that they're referring to, the part that won't, won't work, sometimes is only 15, 20% of the overall project. So now there's plenty of energy and investment in the project to work around that kind of 15%. I like that. So you also mentioned that the brain's tendency is to avoid uncertainty mm. and it can hinder creative thinking. So how do you manage that and encourage teams to embrace uncertainty when they're trying to go after innovative solutions? So often this is as basic as be when you're beginning a project is defining terms. What do, in this team, this culture, what is the difference between a concept and an idea? Is a concept just something you're sharing with somebody in the hallway that just hits you? Or is that referred to as an idea? And a concept is when you actually do a little cursory research over something and say, nobody's doing this out here. We need to look into this. So those kind of terms are really important. But when the terms when it gets right up to it about the terms about an idea, when you're sharing that idea with the team, the most important thing is to be able to decide, okay, is, is to choose a definition for those words. Is deciding, is this where we're going to go for sure, or are we making an adjustment here? Because every big decision is a result of many little decisions, or adjustments. You can say any large adjustment. We've decided to do this type of manufacturing or this type of, or we're going to launch in this market instead of first, instead of this market. A lot of little decisions go into that one decision. It's really easy if you define the decisions that drive to that larger decision to step back through them. If for some reason it doesn't look the same when you get there, but, um, the pressure is on usually senior leadership to make decisions. They often judge themselves based on how quickly they make a decision. So brains like to make decisions. They like to decide and move on to the next problem. But the creative process and the inventive process requires that we suspend those decisions as long as we can we can actually choose to go down one way for a prototype and choose to go another way for a prototype. We can do multiple decisions at the same time. Communication is key in this because you don't want anybody's good decision to be postponed just because you're still in the creative process. You want to identify it, value it, put a direction on it, put some resources into chasing it down. And then you have multiple decisions that often blend together to make the final version. So you also talk about pushing boundaries and exploring uh, creativity out on the edge. I think that's a little bit scary for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Can you ex share maybe an example of a project where you've used this uh, approach that led to breakthrough innovation? 
Yeah, there was a, a project I did for the North Face um, years ago. There was a um, we had we were manufacturing these backpack frames out of a new material. It's called forged carbon fiber. It doesn't really matter the material, but the presses that were required because of the size of the backpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, there were only a half a dozen of those large manufacturing presses available in the West Coast of the United States. And we were looking to do a short run and distribute these to the top athletes in the world so they could take them out on their K2 competition climbs and and become sponsors. We didn't need a lot of them, but we didn't have access to them. The smaller presses were very numerous. And so I had to design a backpack frame that they split in half. I had a lot of data about low back pain that people suffered from backpacks carrying large loads, especially in these extended hikes. So I grabbed a couple of engineers that were working for me and we worked, I don't know, maybe three or four nights in a row and developed these little neoprene cushions right at the joint where the two halves would come together. So now not only were we able to manufacture easily on the smaller presses, but we added a feature of reducing low back pain and stress and strain on the low back. That uh, taking advantage of the constraint, that was something that I just thought, man, if we're going to do this connection, if we have to do this additional complexity, what can we get out of it? Can Can we turn this into a benefit? I think that's really that that's um thinking about that coming from it from that perspective of asking what you're what can you get out of it rather than seeing it as a problem that's huge there is a lot of talk going on amy i always clear this up with my teams there's so much talk about every problem is an opportunity problems don't feel like opportunities (laughs) right they feel like problems right yeah we, we all experience this, but yet every time you have an issue, you've got somebody squawking in your ear about, hey, this is, it's not a problem, it's an opportunity. It's, there may be an opportunity in it, but it requires so much calm, and I don't think people give themselves credit for this, that when there is a problem, it requires so much calm and so much control to stay relaxed, not to go back and try to look for what went wrong, but and to massage it and find out if there is an opportunity. There's no guarantee that there's an opportunity in every problem. And I, I have this old line that a problem is no more an opportunity than a car is a road trip. Well, that's interesting. Right? Yeah. That also takes the pressure off uh, of people about, hey, a problem's an opportunity opportunity you guys can figure this out not always most of the time I would agree yeah yeah definitely so can you elaborate on the concept of reminding them about themselves you had mentioned this to me prior to the podcast and when it comes to fostering Mm -hmm. creativity and innovation how do you tap into that and the motivations and qualities that derive the creative excellence a lot of this is there's a there's something in human nature that when we're in business relationships 
I don't know that this is true in personal relationships, but in business relationships, we are often very generous with ourselves about our accomplishments. I went to this school. I went to this undergraduate school. I went to this graduate school. I got through this program. It took me a year to get into this program. All of these accomplishments out in the world, but we get very shy about our natural talents. I'm sure you've been in groups where somebody will say, Amy just has a natural ability for getting people to tell their story. We should get Amy to do these interviews. And suddenly Amy goes, oh, come on, you guys. That's not right. You get a little shy about it. But yet that's where our best ideas come from. So the comment, thank you for remembering that, the comment reminding people about themselves. I do a lot of work with teams where very rigorous requirements on exercises, project design deliverables, but then we're always jumping out on a Friday afternoon for burgers and cold beverages and getting people to talk about themselves. And when you know the people that you're working with and you build that trust in a team, then you can start to draw on people's individual skills that sometimes get you through those hitting a wall problems that we talked about earlier. So reminding people about themselves and reminding them that their point of view is so unique in the world, it's also unique right here in this team and on this project. And if you remind them of that, remind them of their value to the team, that brings up that creative core of themselves, a creative center that we talked about. In your experience, what key factors differentiate successful creative collaborations from those encounter the the differences and the struggles, and how do you navigate that? The differences, like internally, or the differences, yeah. So, yeah. So, let's say you've got two different teams, and one really ends up being able to collaborate successfully. It's Mm -hmm. easy moving forward, but then there is comparatively another team that struggles struggles to do so struggles with the collaboration mm-hmm. and maybe they're they just can't move forward they get stuck mm-hmm. what are the what kind of sets those apart and what are the the things that are make them different with the creative with the successful team or the team that the success often comes from flow their ability to expand out and capture knowledge and then their ability to come together and push a project forward and hit the deadline. So that sort of uh, flexibility that is also often referred to as flow. That's There's a few great books out there and some experts about flow and relationships and in team building. And the ones that it's more difficult, often the struggle is their legacy issues, their struggles of their previous experience that they brought into the team, redefining their value, redefining their position in the team and their contribution to the team. That takes some personal work that is, that's different with, with different cultures, but it usually isn't something that's developed on a particular project. It's usually something that's been brought in. For example, if a company buys another company and they bring a a design department from one company and they put it in with their company, it 
it takes longer. Companies are really good at ingestion, but they're not very good at digestion. Right. So that will grab onto a company, right? That will swallow it up. But then the leadership goes back to their three-year vision and they're not taking care of that sort of integration of teams and meeting things. So this falls down to middle management and also falls right down to uh, the people on the team themselves. But number one, probably the best dynamic shift that helps in 90% of the situations is for the people that are most knowledgeable and most skilled to just knock it off and just sit back and just let those that are struggling that feel a little bit on the outside to come forward. Let them come forward with their ideas give them responsibility to research something and come back with an idea. We start handing off this research, then they feel emboldened with their contribution. Now things start to level in the team. There's no such thing as a perfectly level team, but people start to perceive their contribution. And now there's this, again, the shared experience and shared trust and gets built. And the length of time that takes is usually equal to how long that dysfunction has been going on. If the dysfunction has been going on for a couple of years, it might take as much as a year. If it's been going on for a couple of months, it might only take a month. It takes about half the amount of time to resolve something as it's been building. So this next question, it's very similar. But mm-hmm. if there's somebody that's listening right now and they're maybe they have a really diverse team and they're trying to, they'd like to lead them down that path of creating that creative shared vision mm-hmm. uh, so that everyone's on the same team, where would you recommend that they start? And is there a process that you typically follow for the long game to get people to align or where do they even start with that? Your question is very much the key. If you actually go to the individuals that you need to recruit into a more powerful creative group, asking the question that you just asked me is really clear. If you could move this group forward, what? give me the top three things that you would do. And then each person has the ability to get up and present that to the team. Now you've got basically the same way you go about a design process where you've got 20 different ideas how to move forward on this concept. Now you start to say, okay, which ones are connecting? Which ones came up the most common? Now, out of these 20, we have 12 that are almost identical. That's obviously something everybody's going to benefit from. So your question is very much the key. I I think that's, it's well placed. And there's some, Again, the cliches that happen in teams, a lot of senior leadership likes to come in the room to the creative teams and say, think outside the box. As as a creative person, I have to, I look at the team and I say, if you feel like you're already sitting in a box, 
that now you have to think outside of. <laughs> you may want to go back to some previous decisions, right? Because if you perceive yourself as sitting in a box, there's some conversations that have not happened that should have yeah. somewhere in the past. Again, it presumes that everybody feels like they're sitting in a box, which to me is a, a, a kind of death creatively. Yeah. So if you could, if you could let people know that their input for the direction of this team is as important as it is for the project, for that particular feature they're working on, that particular integration of the technology, whatever it is they're working on, they're here for greater reasons than those skills. That is the key to contributing. And the benefit that is not really measurable, but the benefit is when somebody knows that's their level of contribution, when somebody knows that their level of contribution is a higher, is extremely important as much as everybody else on the team, guaranteed they're going to be thinking about it on the bicycle ride on Saturday. When they're not even at work, when they're on their way to work, we're on their way home, when they're on a hike over the weekend, because they have a positive relationship with the team and the team's and the project's outcome, the team's their contribution to the team and the project's outcome, because that's positive, ideas will accrete and you become, when you're excited about a project, you become like a magnetized rod attracting metal filings. And that's a quote from the author, Stephen Pressfield. And it's really quite beautiful that ideas come to you when you're excited about that project. You bring up something really interesting too, when you talk about when people are, you know, out there hiking and all of that. I've talked to so many different business owners on this podcast, and I hear that over and over again. Creativity happens outside the office. It happens mm -hmm. when you're out there doing recreation. It happens when mm -hmm. on the weekend, when you're painting a picture or whatever it may be, when you're in that energy of not having to think about what's at hand, all of a sudden mm -hmm. you get all these ideas. Right. Like there, there are certain dynamics if you, when I'm coaching with a team and there's usually a half day kickoff and there's a half day at the end, you always want to end at the end of lunch. It's the best time to end, right? But yeah. there's usually a couple of days in the middle that are pretty intense, at least two days, sometimes three. But one of the, I've found one of the most important things are really fresh bagels. And if you know where there's a place that makes fresh bagels and you can get there early and find a kitchen and grab a toaster and you can toast fresh bagels and coffee in the morning and you get there, I would recommend wasting the first 45 minutes of your scheduled day, which I often do. I'll have it start at eight o'clock, but actually I know we're not going to get started till 8.30 or 8.40 because I've set up my assistants are just brilliant and know the bagel routine and how important it is when people are like, oh man, no, no, toast mine a little bit more. Give me a little more cream cheese. This is getting real casual here, but 
the humans that then go and sit down and contribute will be will feel so recognized you'll get this full heart of them contributing a sincere level of contributing that you won't get if in the decision-making world you begin your meeting at eight o'clock because you scheduled your meeting at eight o'clock right? <laughs> right. <laughs> There's something about that overflow and that that looseness, because that's where you want people to be speaking from and contributing from. I love that. I'm so, going to get a bunch of people asking me this for bagel spots. Right. <laughs> Bring in the bagels. So if you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out on your journey, what would it be? Oh, wow. You sent this question and I said yes, and I loved all of your questions, but... That wasn't necessarily true because this one is a very difficult. This one is a difficult question, but I think the advice, the best advice, which is that the most difficult time is the time you need advice the most. And it's the hardest time to take in advice. And I would remind myself, there's the old adage, this too will pass. When my sons graduated high school, I gave them both silver rings, and on the inside, I had it engraved, this too will pass. But that is one of the easiest things in the world to tell yourself, right? But it's one of the hardest things in the world to remember. When you feel those walls closing in, and when it's there's a miss and a miss, and there's that that weird little series of things that turn against you or turn awry in, in, the, in the Shakespearean description, that the it's the hardest thing to remember that this too will pass. And to, I would remind myself to think about all of the accomplishments and all of the other difficult times that just washed away and that's the only way, really, to get through it. The difficulty is not going to go away. The very famous Roger Federer quote, one of the greatest athletes and in modern times, he said, there is no getting around the hard work. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that benefit of hard work. I think, to me, that there, it's a privilege to struggle for what I want to have the drive and to be able to learn the skills, capture what I need to struggle to get something done. I think we we don't give ourselves the credit for struggling through those tough times. And it is creative work. Everybody does creative work at some point. There's some mail delivery person figuring out how to get their route done sooner so they can get home and have lunch with their partner every day. That's creative in so many different ways. Not only is it probably a more efficient route, but the relationship and their life and quality of life, all those things. It happens everywhere. Love that. David, if there are individuals that are listening that would love to work with you, what's the best way of contacting you? My website, 09 dot com. Reach out on LinkedIn, David Moore, 09design. I love it when people reach out. I love the, the relationships. 
uh, I, I really enjoyed meeting you. I really enjoyed learning about it, your marketing business and all the different things that you do for your clients. I was really surprised. Digital marketing is usually somebody who does digital marketing. And when you told me about all the different things that your company does for people, it's like this. Again, you're bringing an understanding of where they're struggling in their business, which is a much bigger contribution than selling a skill set. I really appreciate the connection and really appreciate the interview and your questions were really excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise. Thank you, Amy. That was excellent. Yeah, definitely. If you're listening and you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.